Everybody, welcome to another fantabulous episode of Album versus Album. Or that was the worst album versus album ever. Very excited. We have a very fun, unique episode for you tonight. Um, but before we get into the details, with me as always is the delicious cheeseburger to my David Hasselhoff, Lucas Lawrence. <laughs> That's good. You know, that video I never thought was funny. I just thought it was sad. It was a it sad is, video. It wasn't pretty, funny. It's pretty sad. Do you guys uh, know what we're talking about? The reference? The video of David Hasselhoff no, drunk. Nobody knows who we are right? yet. So we oh, <laughs> we'll get to you guys in a second here. So oh, no. the, do you know the David Hasselhoff <laughs> video or not? No. With a cheese uh cheeseburger? What? This is a mess. His daughter is filming him and he's like really drunk and he's eating a cheeseburger it's really sad it's not <laughs> oh, funny. It sounds no. good. It sounds it's good. really weird but it's a deep anyway. it's a, it's a, it was like a thing on the internet like it was a long time ago this is probably like eight years ago or something, he's definitely but. enjoying the hamburger though that's for yeah sure. actually somebody one of my friends sent me this thing the other day it was like a german word i can't remember what it is like snoffelhugen or something but it oh, means it's sh- like shorten shortenfreud it means like to take delight in someone else's pain. Yeah, yeah. Schnaudenfreude. Yeah. And Schnauden he's like, this is you. He's like, every video you post <laughs> is just delighting in people's pain. <laughs> That's true, and, Jared. <laughs> and who the two voices you hear are Jordan and Justin, the co-hosts of That Was the Worst Podcast Ever, a Sophie and Stevens podcast. Guys, thank you so much for being our first crossover episode. Is that what this, this is? Yeah. Like Thank Marvel versus DC. This is like that thing you texted me about, Kale. Was the Jurassic Park Fast and Furious crossover? No, this is like when Steve Urkel was on Step by Step. Even better <laughs> reference. <laughs> it's so good to be here, guys. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah. We needed more time to talk about Sufjan Stevens and to hear our own voice and. I am just so grateful to be here with you guys and be on this fantastic podcast and also be with my very best friend, Jordan Clausen. Oh, I don't know if it's, he calls me that, but I just, I'm going to start calling him that. Well, that's well, what you have in the description of our podcast is it <laughs> two best question mark friends talk yeah, about Super and Steven. Cause that's how I feel about you, but I don't know if it's mutual. Oh, um, well, let me think about that. No, yeah, we'll talk about guys, it later. It's good that you do it right now. I think you should figure it out right now on this record. Find the relationship, you know? DTR. It sounds like you're best friends when we listen. So, you know, yeah. I don't know if that counts for anything. There's yeah. a deep love for sure. There's a deep love. Our podcast is also something about friendship. It's just music and friendship, right, Kel? Music and friendship. Yeah, we're slowly honing the slug line to uh, as crisp as it can be. But yeah, it's a, but, it's a podcast about music and friendship. It's just two friends chatting music and uh, we've... We slowly honed it into the butter knife that it is now, dissecting and discussing two albums by an artist. You guys have a podcast that is about one artist. You know, we thought we made a hard choice in starting a podcast where we're going to talk about music when there's so many smarter people out there. But you guys have decided 
to be even more bold and talk about Sophie Stevens. Before we get into Sophie Stevens' two records that we're talking about today, Michigan and Illinois, I know it's actually called Sophie Stevens invites you to come on, come and feel the Illinois. Is that what it's actually called? I think, I think it's, it's just come on, feel the Illinois. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what it is called, but everyone just calls it Illinois. And it's right. greetings from Michigan. Yeah. Right, right. See, if anyone could correct me on this, it's you two, the authorities, the absolute authorities on Sophia Stevens. And so, the internet agrees. We are <laughs> <laughs> we are the two yeah. guys that know everything. And we know the honest truth is we're very amateur about it. And we Sufyan's very obsessed, dedicated fan base, we drive insane. Well, and that was going to be my question is just what was the kind of why, why, why start a podcast about Sophie Stevens? Tell us a little bit about it. Um, Justin, one day he's told this story on our podcast before, but one day he was driving along. He was driving. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like thinking about what, what would I do? That was just, would just be fun. Just for me. I love Sufjan Stevens anyway, all. And he suddenly had this idea. I should start a Sufjan Stevens podcast with my friend, Jordan. He was so overcome with emotion that he had to pull over. <laughs> he was weeping. <laughs> and just started yes. weeping. <laughs> the story always includes weeping, but I think in real life, he probably... No, I think he just texted levels, me right? and was like, hey, would you be into doing this? And I said, sure. I yeah. lo- I've always loved Sufyan and uh, love Just, too. Um, we live in two different provinces. He's, he's from Calgary, Alberta, and I'm from Vancouver, BC. Um, and that's how I know um, Lucas and Kale through those circles. Um, but yeah, we, uh, we, this, we just reconnected over Sufyan. I had the idea years and years ago and I didn't have the bravery to bring it to Jordan because I had in my head that Jordan might just be like, Oh, that's a nice idea. And then I was just really afraid that, that he would, it would make him feel awkward and he wouldn't know how to say no. And, and I just never wanted to go through that excruciating uh, social pain, but it was this time last year, the pandemic was on and I just kind of thought I need to do something that is not heavy, that is fun. And I need, I, I just thought Sufjan Stevens is my favorite, favorite artist. And I know it's the same for Jordan. And I just thought I'd love to do this. And I'm still a little surprised that Jordan does it, but I'm glad it's been really fun. I've really enjoyed it. And I feel like the podcast has already reached heights that I never expected, which aren't like heights really, but like we had John Ringhofer uh, from yeah, Half Handed Clown. Cool. And, and stuff like that was just, I just couldn't believe because it, it really was just an idea that I never thought would get off the ground, so. Here we are, in, I picture in the movie adaptation of, that was the worst podcast ever, there's like, when you pull the truck over, there's just like a soft, banjo that starts being picked while you're just start crying and then you pick up the cell phone it's like yeah it's for the widow it's the (laughs) and i'm like i need to text jordan And Jordan's just sitting in the studio looking out the window and it's raining. He's like, yeah, because it's always raining in Vancouver. So it's, it's like, I feel like I'm trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan, what was your honest reaction to my text? Like, look, in retrospect. To be honest, I wasn't that like excited, but I wasn't that. I was just kind of like, oh, yeah, this could be this could potentially be fun. Let's give it a shot. I think there was a little part of me that was like a little bit apprehensive, like, 
not to be too self-important, but I, because I do kind of do music for a career, I was kind of like, kind of. do I, well, because I do do music for a career, I was kind of like, do I really want to just go and talk about another artist that people already annoyingly compare me to all the time? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was the first thing I ever heard about you. When my, like the first thing I ever heard about you was you were in the, the radio stations, local thing. Mm-hmm. And you were also, uh, I think kind of like seeing a girl I knew we won't name any names, but uh, we've talked oh, about yeah. it. We, we know, but I remember they said, Oh yeah, he's uh, you know, you like Sophie Stevens. So you'll probably like this guy. And that was the first thing I ever heard. And then I, I remember hearing it and being like, you didn't sound that much like Sophie Stevens. Cause I didn't want to give you the credit. Cause I was yeah. jealous. No, I, I like that. All I wanted was to sound like Stephen Stevens, but my band was too emo and too rockin'. Our story is very much the same in that we talked about doing this podcast for ooh, about two years before we actually did it. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Kale uh, bought a place and needed a kitchen reno, and I was still trying to own my craft, as I still am, as a, a carpenter. And, and we started doing it together, working on it together. And Every time we go for a beer, every time we see each other, we always end up talking about music. But one of my favorite things about music is always saying like, Radiohead, what's their best album? What do you think? And someone says, oh, I think um, anything is, and I'm like, wrong. It's in rainbows. And then we have a conversation, right? Do you actually go in rainbows with Radiohead? Hell yeah. Wow. That's a great take. Uh, We talked about Jordan and and we talked about Kid A versus... um, Amnesiac, but um, anyway, so we we would. Uh, this is a conversation we had a lot, as a lot of uh, dudes do. They we said to each other, "This would make a great podcast." <laughs> yeah, actually, Jordan, you deserve a shout out because you were um, a good encourager. As we 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 took some, it took us some time to find to lean into the the name for a while. We started out doing just single albums and kind of comparing it with the band's discography and it was a bit broad and i remember you i remember lucas told me that you had a conversation with him where you're like you guys should just do actually have an album versus an album because that is your name and, I, and we were like that's we should do that when you said you you said it was more interesting you thought yeah i do i do think it is interesting because that is a fight that i think every i mean not just dudes but everybody has sitting in a pub being like oh you're so wrong like you're so wrong about him rainbows by the way this is an episode about Stephen Stevens. But. That in rainbows <laughs> is a weird choice. <laughs> I just feel like it's everything is a peak on it. Everything's just perfect. What's it, is really pool, it is a really good. A moon shaped pool is better than in rainbows. Really? Yeah. You are crazy. That's a controversial. No, that's like definite. Well, wow. this is what I'm talking about. This is what I'm talking, and this is why the baseline of album versus album to this point has been: we pick an artist, then we pick two records because there's different ways you can slice it. But when the baseline's the band, like Radiohead is such a good example because they had had such different iterations, and depending on what you really resonate with, you can make an argument for it based on this and that. And that's where I think what we're talking about tonight is so interesting because um with Sufjan Stevens you guys have talked about both these albums already on your podcast but tonight we are duking them out head to head and they are yeah. often lumped together but tonight we're pulling them apart and these two siblings are going to have a cage match so before we get into the two albums why don't we just do a brief overview with uh since you guys are the uh, Sufjan historians accredited historians why don't you just give us a brief let's go in order kind of all the releases and um and does talk about his discography. So Sufjan Stevens, he's a, a precious 
precious boy that was born in Michigan. And he had preach. Uh, basically got in contact with a guy named Daniel Smith from the Danielson family, really mentored him, helped him. Anyway, 1999, he's in college. Jordan, what's the college called? Hope College. Hope College. And he releases, real Sufjan fans will know there's an album called Stalker that was unreleased. Sufjan didn't like it, didn't release it. His first album he ever released is called The Sun Came. Then Enjoy Your Rabbit, he does an instrumental electronic album based on the Zodiac calendar. And then we get 2003 Michigan, which is one of the albums we'll be looking at today. And we we experience Sufjan, I think, in an absolutely new way. He really discovers a sound. Yes. Okay. And then recorded around the same time, he releases Seven Swans, which um, this is cringy to say, but maybe like his gospel album. <laughs> Okay. Jordan, is that bad to say? No, I think it also should be noted that technically Seven Swans was actually recorded before Michigan. Okay, yeah. yeah. He, he released see, this them. is why you guys are doing this, not us. <laughs> but, you know, I, I see why you say gospel album because there's a song called The Transfiguration, which is a well, very Christian word. He's a, he's a religious fellow, and so it's kind of his, like, sacred, sacred songs. There's lots of just straight-up Bible stories uh, without really much comment on them. And that, I think, Jordan and I would say that's our favorite album because just for, I don't know, because we're, we're sweetie boys, too. No, and, uh, that's, that's a united front. You guys agree on that? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing is that I don't have a lot of integrity in, in as a person. So <laughs> when we talked about that record... I was that was my favorite record, but if I think if I look at the big picture, it's kind of a tie between that record and Carrie and Lowell. But anyway, and I'd be happy to say that too. Like sometimes you, you know what I mean. Sometimes you, you could. It depends on what you're listening to. But those are certainly our two favorites. Then we have 2005 Sufjan Stevens' breakout hit, Illinois, which uh, we'll be talking about today, and. And particularly, I think Chicago was, I think, the song that most people heard. Um, certainly, it was 2005's release that I heard of Sufjan Stevens and then kind of went backwards. 2006, he releases B-Sides to Illinois called The Avalanche. And then throughout his career, he's compiled uh, Christmas albums. But his compilation, first compilation came out in 2006. Then he was commissioned to do an art project what was it? The New York Museum BQ, of what? BQE? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, but I think it was the... I think it was, like, oh. it was some museum of art or something. <laughs> he was asked to do something, so he made a short a short film and an album based on an overpass in New York. Okay, we did an episode on that. A very dirty, ugly, unremarkable overpass. And that's kind of like a polyphonic uh, orchestra album. Polyphonic, how's that, Jor? <laughs> Sounds smart. Uh, every album is polyphonic. Uh, um, yeah, anyway. And then um, <laughs> 2010, All Delighted People is a surprise EP that is released that is truly a fan favorite, and people love that, and I love that. And then 2010, a couple, about a month later, he has his official repli- uh, release, The Age of Odds, which is, uh, well, Canadians call it The Age of Ads. Right, I heard. Uh, <laughs> I, heard I didn't Kate. until I heard someone else say it right, and I was like, "Oh, Jordan, what do you? How do you pronounce it?" I said the Age of Odds. Okay, Kale, I would say uh, Age of Odds as well. 
Oh, I'll say okay. this. I called it Age of Ads until a guy I know named Steve Watts said, it's odds. And I was like, oh, okay. Canadians say pasta. It always makes me laugh. Anyway, sorry. I don't mean to bring that up. Pasta. It's pasta. is better than pasta. You yeah, I don't want to get into this. It's pasta, my friend. Oh. <laughs> okay. Pasta. And Age of Odds, let's just say this about it. It was a little bit of a departure from his traditional sound. He he got tired of his sound, which was more banjo, singer-songwriter. And so this one is more, um, it's just different. It just sounds different. And also, I'd say more electronic. And he went through a very Definitely. difficult time in his life and had health issues and stuff. Then he drops a second Christmas EP, Silver and Gold. And then in 2015, he releases what I would call just a straight-up masterpiece, Carry On his, his magnum opus. Uh, do you guys agree? Like, that yeah, so Carry On like, is just a cohesive, incredible masterpiece. Uh, when my first son was born, this was the soundtrack. My wife was like, I want... We were at the uh, the women's hospital, the children's and women's hospital, and... Um, we had like candles lit, you know, we we're trying to do those like Zen, she was in the tub. Oh, and this nice. album was what we kept listening to. And and so like every time you just start that album and my wife, Rena, will get emotional. Aww. Especially if you like put a little slideshow together of pictures of our son being born or like him as a, a, a baby. So it's got a special part in our hearts. And when they that show, This Is Us came out, the scene where all the babies are being born in This Is Us, I don't know if you've ever watched the show. Mm-hmm. I don't really recommend it, but I think that shows emotionally manipulative, but uh, they also <laughs> I watch had it with my mainstream wife. We love it. Yeah, my wife is actually. Uh, so we should maybe hit this. My wife is also mainstream. Mainstream is great. It's just a. It's 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 kind of like it's funny because I think Justin's wife is especially kind of mainstream. That's why we make the joke. <laughs> it's just like she's like the kind of like she's like she doesn't. When Justin was like, "Should I do this podcast?" She was like, "No." <laughs> because you i mean and she doesn't really like cfan stevens right no no and i even remember when i knew her like she was like she liked like pop music and stuff which is awesome like that's great <laughs> but she but i just that's kind of a joke on our podcast that's why we say it we, it's mostly a joke Rena, if you're listening still it's mostly a joke she's She's only, she's like 50, 50, you know, like we all are. The other day I was over at your house, Lucas, and we were having some drinks and she's like, oh, have you heard of this band? And she suggested a band that I'd never heard of. Nova Amore, I, right? Yeah. Nova and then Amore. I went and listened to them and I'm like, oh, this is great. And Rena's got great taste in music. So Rena, Jordan likes Nova Amore because of you. So there. Thanks guys. You may help me make up for it. I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm now I'm forgetting where we <laughs> okay, oh, that's so, okay. Okay. So, after so Lowell, and it should be mentioned, Sufyan writes this as an homage to his mom who passed away a couple of years earlier and his stepfather. Uh, then he kind of branches off. He does Planetarium, which was kind of a collaboration. Then he uh, was featured on the Call Me By Your Name soundtrack and wrote two original songs for that, I think. And they used which both uh, sound like they could have been off Carrie and Lowell. Yeah, and both really great songs. And then The Greatest Gift, which was B-Sides from Carrie and Lowell. Uh, the Decalogue, Aporia, th- those were kind of like collaborations as well. And then last year he came out with The Ascension, which I would say is kind of like a, it's a pop record, I feel like, or like an electronic pop, but still very much Sufjan. And then recently he came out with five EPs of instrumental music, Meditations, Lamentations, 
revelations, celebrations, convocations, and again, mourning of the loss of his dad. So that's the last thing he releases that five volume electronic music, which uh, is uh, pretty good, actually. Yeah, I, I uh, put it on sometimes when I'm working and everyone thinks, what are you doing? And you're like, have some respect. He's mourning for his father. I should say that, but no <laughs> yeah. one cares. But I would argue that Sufjan Stevens is a prolific songwriter. And he, like, in a, the true sense, like, he's prolific. He does not have problems putting out material that is uh, worthy of listening to. He also, it's interesting, like, um, hearing you guys talk about on your uh, Age of Ads episode... It's like you do call out that there are a couple points where he has chunks of time, like five years or so, where he doesn't put anything out. But then it's like when, and, and I wonder, do you guys think sometimes we have this idea that kind of with what Lucas brought up, like to be prolific, do you think we have this idea that means you have to be creating all the time? Or do you think being prolific can mean you have periods of great productivity, but then it's fine if you don't produce it for a while? Do you think like that changes the idea of being prolific? Because I would agree that he is a prolific. prolific yeah. No, artist. I would agree too. I, I I would just say that like even though he does take big breaks, I still see him as incredibly pro- prolific because it's it's uh, he tends to release music in kind of spurts. All delighted people in Age of Odds were released like a month apart or something. Yeah. Um, and so he kind of has these like time frames where he just releases a lot of music, and I think it's actually like to purposely subvert expectations because people expect you know like an album cycle like every two to three years and Ardars releases a new record and i think sufian purposefully toys with that idea and i can't really pinpoint it but there's something about sufian stevens where he's a lot of people's favorite artist he encompasses new fans with every release so it almost seems like it was a snowball like he grew in influence and popularity and he has a, a very vast fan base. So I don't know. There's something about him that, and the other thing I we got to mention is he's elusive and mysterious. And totally. so mm-hmm. that gives him this allure of like, what, who is he really? And everybody wants to figure that out. And, and so he's fascinating in, in that way. So for whatever reason, he feels like he stands out from other he's an artist you can kind of get obsessed with you know it would be like if you guys had a podcast that was called get me to the camp a john mellencamp appreciation podcast where like there's one entry point to john mellencamp and that's your truck you know like you have that you know album in your truck i mean you could argue i i think it's interesting with sufian one of his elements of him being prolific i'm sorry that's such a weird <laughs> comparison i just pictured you guys having a john mellencamp uh podcast it is what just, is our podcast called? welcome to the camp it's like do you know john cougar mellencamp yeah sure that guy yeah i yeah. just thought it'd be funny if you were like in my mind i was just trying to think that my long-winded approaches i'm trying to say that i think what's interesting about sufian compared to a lot of artists is that he has multiple entry points like to like what jordan said just yeah. now about age of ads and all delighted people like you could not be into age of odds but you could get in through all delighted people or if you yeah. got in like i did with illinois and then you have a lot of back catalog you get into but you could also get in earlier or you could come in later like you could have found sufian through call me by your name yeah and then you're like oh that's cool and then you're into the ascension and then you start to go back and you're like oh wow this is like 
there's a lot of points you can kind of jump into his catalog. <laughs> I, totally, was just picturing, yeah. I was just picturing like, that's what's interesting about what you guys are doing with your podcast versus if you're doing podcasts about John Cougar Mellencamp. I just feel like it would be very one note. Yeah, no, it's like the truck maybe for Sufjan is like Christianity. Right. Yeah. Because I actually think that, I think that that is a lot, a big point of connection for a lot of people is like, he came out kind of in like, you know, the nineties evangelical thing was still kind of raging and in the mm -hmm. early 2000s and there was this guy and, and you know a lot of people i think really dissatisfied with it and then there's this guy that came out that was making this really weird and good and compelling music and uh, so i think yeah. on the message boards it seems like a lot of, i don't know J justin you're more on the message boards than me but it seems like a lot of folks that was their entry point maybe when they were younger and maybe even a lot of them aren't even religious anymore but they but it was through kind of a that connection I first heard that lyric uh, in Casimir Pulaski day where he says, uh, Tuesday night at the Bible study, we lift our hands and pray over your body, but nothing ever happens. And I remember thinking like, I can't believe that he put that in a song. Cause I grew up in a way <laughs> yeah. where you're like, you just don't talk about that side of it. And so it was cool. You know, it was cool. I was like, Oh, I'm not a freak for wondering what's up with that. Yeah. yeah. And that I think for Jordan and I, if I can speak for Jordan, it, it was finding solidarity at the time that we connected with Sufjan, finding solidarity of uh, a musician who had a faith that didn't make you feel embarrassed. And it, it was an authentic approach. It wasn't, it wasn't like exploiting something to be, to make money or anything. The other thing about Sufjan is he's so elusive and there's so many aspects to him that you're right. Like the fan base is really diverse because Sufjan himself is diverse, like changes genres based on a release. And you actually, as a fan, you anticipate his releases and have no idea what's coming. Like, which is exciting, which is cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that is really sweet. And I, he, he reminds me of like I'm, I'm a big reader and and um, I love books. And I think some of my favorite authors are authors that don't. Um, they're sort of the authors that do. They they find one lane. It's like Lee Child. I write Jack Reacher books. It's like tough guy getting into scrapes, getting into like shenanigans, getting out of them. That's like you know, there's like 30 books in the series, and it's like a very specific thing. And then you've got a guy like Neil Gaiman who has like written children's picture books. He's written a longstanding graphic novel series. He's written a yeah. teleplay. Like, like he's just, but, he's, but it he's all not feels a, like Neil Gaiman. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's, it, it's core. It has the ingredients that are his thing, but he is refuses to be, um, you know, held or clamped down into one way of being. And I think That's I like that about Sufjan. I would say though, what's interesting and I'm, I have a very specific idea about Sufjan because I personally, um, probably out of the three of us, I joked um, with Lucas today that I was like, I'm gonna, it's going to be me and three Sufjan savants tonight. You know, just no. You said uh, you said something different. You said Sufjan slaves. No, Sufjan. I, I said Sufjan savants. No, you didn't. You said I, I'm going to. I said I said, said Sufjan savants. I definitely because <laughs> I liked it because I chuckled to myself and that I thought I <laughs> you were so pleased joke. with yourself. I was you very pleased with myself. I, I did. I, but I felt like I. Oh, so you I, did say. I thought you said Sufian servants is what I read. <laughs> Three Sufian servants and myself, but you did do savants, which makes more sense. 
Yeah, because you guys are, um, and like, that's what I think is interesting to dig into. And I do want to, I have some questions I'm thinking, I'm, I'm curious to dig into with all of you guys more, because I think there's like, we're not trying to, you know, get, dig it into his whole discography. That's what your wonderful podcast is for. Our t- goal tonight is to like talk about Sufiad in this kind of 2003 to 2005 era. And mm-hmm. I think what's going to be interesting is like, there are some elements around his Christianity, which I think will be really cool. And also it'll be interesting to kind of talk about where he was at creatively at this time. But I think uh, he had a very particular sound at this time and he had a very particular thing he was doing. And I feel in some ways he's, for me, I feel like sort of like Illinois almost seems like his magnum opus. And then like everything he did before or after kind of feels like it got compared to that because that was like, I think the majority of people's entry point. That's my perspective. Uh, that was my experience, but I'm curious to get into it sort of here. Like, let's talk about where he was at and like, um, all that stuff, but it's interesting because I feel like this is what he's known for the most, but like hearing you guys talk about just even going through the discography, Justin, it's like you hear, like, there's such a breadth of stuff. I actually saw him live at Richard's on Richard's, a small venue. What would you say, Jordan, like, or Kale, like 400 people, 300 people, not a big venue. It was incredible. And I had only bought the album a few days before because my friend Jade, the same girl who told me to go to Arcade Fire, and I bought that album like a week before, she basically didn't give me a choice. She was like, we're going to the show. You're going to like this guy. And so I bought the record and only listened to it like three, four times. Saw him perform it live. And, you know, he opened with that song, The 51st States, the mm-hmm. one that he'd never recorded. And I just remember being like, this changed. It just changed everything. I remember I bought every. I bought enjoy your rabbit and uh sun came and seven swans and like i had michigan i had everything and i bought everything that came out until buying albums didn't exist so seeing him live cemented it but i i mean the first time i listened to the record i knew i was like oh yeah i like this so that's kind of my uh connection uh to stuff jan stevens I mean, being introduced to him at a show, at least you get to hear what his name actually is supposed to be pronounced. So you were, <laughs> did you so get you it right, right off the bat? Sufjan or Sufjan? Yeah, because usually people say Sufjan at first. We, we've uh, I call him Sufjan and my friend Jada, they kept saying it's Sufjan like over and over and over again. Also, I'm pretty sure she took a bunch of pills and got really like high at that show and like had a very different experience than me. Jade, if you're listening, I'm sorry to out you, but... <laughs> oh, no. Jade, you shouldn't be listening to Soup and you sin. What about you guys? Yeah, so for me, I, I've told this story on our podcast before, but um, my I just distinctly remember, actually, because I had some friends who were living in this kind of, like, Christian, like, Bible school, like, kind of... It wasn't a frat house, but it was, like, a bunch of dudes all living together, you know, roommates... And they were like all cool. Like I remember one of them smoked a pipe and I was like, whoa, this guy is very cool. And he only drank like <laughs> specialty, like half of Isons that he bought. Like, was his name Benji? He wasn't Benji, was it? No, you asked me this before. No, I did. Didn't I? Oh, yeah. I texted you. <laughs> was it Benji? It wasn't. That's weird. My but brain. anyway, I was like, whoa, this place is really cool. One of my best friends lived in this house anyway. So this guy, this, and he was a couple years older than me and he was kind of like, yeah. We were taught the Sufjan Stevens came up in conversation. He's like, honestly, I'm not a big fan. I don't like it. He's like, I have this burnt CD of his record, Seven Swans. Here, you can have it. I don't like it. It's not my thing. I was like, oh, wow, okay. And I put it in my CD player of my like Chevy piece of shit car. And that's what it was called. Instantly, like as soon as that first banjo comes in, I was like, yes, yes. 
Yeah. Jory, um, that guy smoking pipes and drinking Hefeweizens and not liking he yeah. sounds he sounds kind of difficult to be around. He's yeah. too cool for Stephen Stevens. He was all killer, no filler. Oh man. I mean, no, all filler, no killer. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Okay, that, that doesn't sense. make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> for me, I was uh in a missionary training school in Australia and I was driving from Newcastle to Sydney with my friend in this van that the missionary organization had. He had like this really cool friend. He was from Hawaii and had this friend that just knew all of the new art, new great music. And he had a son came. My exposure to Sufjan Stevens was his first album. Wow. The first, yeah. Kind of crazy. Right. But this was like 2003 ish. So you know, Michigan had been out, but I had that first album and then that first song on it, just his vocals and the feel and the sound of it. I was immediately just like, wow, who was that? And then when Illinois came out and I bought that and put it on my iPod Nano, like that was game over. So that was just my experience. with. I never had the Nano. So Also cool. game over bulky pockets. What a... Smart purchase, the Nano. Hey, you know what was great about the Nano? <laughs> it fit in the coin pocket, not just the big old pocket. Damn. The coin yeah. pocket. Damn. Yeah, I was uh, just uh, walking around with my Nano in my coin pocket carpenter jeans. <laughs> I remember those. I uh, For me, it was in 2005. It was the year before. It was two years before I moved to Vancouver. I was living in the Burbs. A buddy was like, you should buy a ticket to this show. Sufjan Stevens is playing at, what is it? It's like the Cathedral downtown in yeah. Vancouver. And he was playing, it was on the Illinois tour. And I was like, okay. So I bought a ticket. I didn't really know his stuff. I listened to a few songs online and then I went down and it was like, he came out with those wings on. And it was, this is, I'd never been in this church before either. And it was like, the show was packed. It felt like something was like, it felt like something was happening, you know? Like people were like, well, this is like, if you were there that night, it felt like you were at the right place that night. Like there were, there were other places you could have been. This was the right place to be. And it was just a was really there. cool. You were there. Too. I know, right? It, wasn't that vibe wild? Like it just like it felt felt like something important was happening. And he just yeah. put on a great show. Oh, and I, I still have I bought the t-shirt of the opening band. I think um Bright Horses or something. For my Brightest know. Diamond. My Brightest Diamond. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my brightest diamond. Yeah. I, I think that's who She's opened great. when I saw them at Richards. So yeah, she plays in this been- band. Almost the same tour, but maybe like later on, because I think the album just grew in popularity. Maybe might have been like a year later. It. Uh, I, I remember seeing it was uh, happening. I couldn't get tickets, and I remember being like, "Curse the, curse the ground I walk on." It felt like it was like a. It was cool. It it was a neat show to see, and I would say like I got hard into Illinois. Nice, and then, and then honestly, like out of, out of that, that's the only Sufjan record I've really ever gotten into that much. I did have a few of the other records on. My iPod. I had the the more old school, the fourth U two iPod. I also had. I still actually have it. It actually still works. The U two iPod. I don't have the U two iPod. Oh, okay. <laughs> I had an older one. Mine was from like two thousand four, maybe. Um, it's like a click wheel one, but it still works, and I still use it to hook it up to my stereo sometimes. So it'll die at some point. But it's like I still have like probably five Sufian records on there, but I never really got into the other ones. I just liked. Illinois a lot and I remember that was when I listened to a lot and I and I remember when Age of Ads came out and I liked it but I similarly found it a little too bloopy and bloopy 
But it's weird because now I went back and re-listened to it in prep for this. I love that album yeah. now because I listen to a lot more of that type of music now. So I feel mm-hmm. like I have a an ear for it. But I think you mm-hmm. had an interesting point, Jordan, where like some of the you guys talked about one of the auto tuny songs, and I was like, yeah, that it did. A couple some of the songs haven't aged super well, but as a whole, like the sort of the package of the instrument or the electronic style he was going for, I think was is something I didn't appreciate at the time, but appreciate now. But so I will Kale, say this, you, you, you didn't get into Carrie and Lowell. I liked it. I like, I liked it when it came out, but I would say like, I'd kind of gotten off the Sufjan train at that point. Like I was like, I like, it was a big deal culturally when it came out. Like I read the reviews, like I listened to it. I thought it was beautiful, beautiful record. I, I really like it. I just, it, I would be lying if I said I was like, like, I just haven't really kept up with him. You know what I mean? But like, I listened to it. I listened to some of the Ascension too. Like, I like it. Like he's still in my purview. Um, mm-hmm. I remember reading an article about him talking about how he was just kind of lonely and New York and like 2014 on Pitchfork. And he's just an interesting guy. Like I just find his, he's, he's one of the few public facing guys. Like he's sort of like if David Bazan was like a lot more handsome and like even weirder, you know, and more popular. Can I tell you guys something today? David Bazan liked my tweet. <gasps> oh, it was. I was like, oh man, because I was the tweet. <laughs> yeah, well, I gotta ask. What, what You're just tweet? chuffed about that. Tweet. The That's tweet right. was me praising David Bazan, <laughs> and he liked it. <laughs> that oh. like that. What did you say? Let's hear it. It's the 10th anniversary of Strange Negotiations, and I just said like right. how important that album was for me, and he liked it. Does that mean it's like 20 years since Control? Because I know I'm feeling old. Yeah, yeah, getting close. I think it's 2003. <laughs> and on that note of Page of the Lion, should we? Fast facts, fast facts, fast facts. Sufi and Steven presents Greeting from Michigan, the Great Lakes State, also known simply as Michigan, is a concept album released on July 1st, 2003 on Sounds Familiar, Asthmatic Kitty, and Secretly Canadian in the United States, and on Rough Trade in Europe. It is Sufjan's third studio album. The album art features original hand paintings by Martha Stewart Living Crafts editor, Laura Normandine. The album is the first in Sufjan's alleged 50 States project, which he later (laughs) admitted was a promotional gimmick. Also interesting to note, both of these records feature a lot of long song titles, so I was curious which one had what were the longest song titles in each one the longest song title on michigan is oh god where are you now in pickerel lake pigeon marquette mackinac and that is fast facts fast facts that was so much better than our podcast by the way wasn't it jor yeah that was great (laughs) very succinct Man, why well, didn't why didn't we do that on our podcast? There, there yeah. definitely was like a fad where like having cool long song names with a lot of exclamation marks. I think you guys yeah. talked about this too. Yeah. It was like a thing, and he like dove in head first and and accepted it as just the way things are, I guess. Because this album and Illinois are just riddled with them. It's yeah. one of the things that dates the album because it does feel like an early 2000s thing. You remember that Bright Eyes yeah. record that was called Lifted or The Stories, the Stories in the Soil, Keep Your Ear to the Ground? Like <laughs> that was around that era too, where you just had these long titles and it was just how it was. And it's just not that way anymore. Yeah, like ironic enthusiasm. 
Would you guys, at least they weren't like, you know, bad emo long song titles like Fall Out Boy, like, um, or like even Under Oath. Champagne for my real friends, real pain Pain for my my sham friends. friends. Oh, that's good. So I would be curious to know from the, from the two, uh, the Sufjan experts here. So what is like, so when this album comes on the scene, when Michigan comes on the scene, what's people, what, what are people expecting out of Sufjan at this point when this comes out? Is this in the vein of what he had done before, or is this like a new take on his music style? From what I understand, people weren't expecting anything. He was he was really a nobody still. I, I actually think A Sun Came and Enjoy Your Rabbit are, most people are familiar with those records via like Lucas's story. Where, going backwards, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. going backwards and being like, oh, I love this artist and I'm going to look at his back catalog. I, do not, I don't think those records were successful. And Jordan um, and I speculate that he may not have even wanted to be a career musician. He was going to be a, a creative writer or a writer. And then John Ringhofer mentioned he also was interested in graphic design. So I don't think his first two official releases were even like him trying to be a career musician. I think Michigan is him saying, okay, I think I'm going to actually make a pretty serious album. This is their first taste of what he's bringing to the table. Yeah. Yeah. I wish it was mine because what an introduction! It's an amazing album. It's so good. Yeah. I remember when I was going to the concert and I told my friends they're from some other band that was touring from Saskatchewan. I was like, "Yeah, I'm going to see uh, Seth Jan Stevens tonight," and they were like, "Oh, I liked Michigan better than Illinois." And I remember thinking, like, "What does that even mean?" The the thing about Michigan that I I've always loved. It's sort of like a uh, a thesis statement. It's it's like a full, humble masterpiece, and and I'll, we'll talk about Illinois later. But I see it as like it's the template, and and he expands on it with Illinois. I mean, this record has some of my favorite songs of all time on it, so. It's mm-hmm. a special record, very special. And what an album cover. I didn't yeah. know it was Martha, a Martha Stewart living uh, cover artist. That's awesome. Yeah. I like that must have been like a family connection or something. I don't yeah. Know. He, he would have sworn that. Mm-hmm. It's really too bad he's not doing the 50 States because could you imagine how good a Hawaii record would be? All that ukulele? <laughs> That's true. And Jordan, I should just say Jordan famously hates when people bring up the 50 States project. He thinks it's the most irritating thing about Sufjan Stevens. I would agree. It's his own fault. I would agree. <laughs> I just think the idea is so ludicrous, like that you would try and make like and like it's like it's almost like he's just like, like almost daring you to believe it when it, each album has like twenty two tracks on it. It's the kind of, like, <laughs> I, think, I think he yeah. has. He's from Michigan, and Chicago had some memories for him. I don't think he had any intention of doing any more. I think it was a gag. He has a pretty odd sense of humor. Let's just say that. I think it's his odd sense of humor. I don't think, I think it was his big prank on us all. Yeah, I, I doubt it was some marker to be like, oh, you know what would be funny is if you said you were going to do 50 albums about every state. He probably just thought that was silly. And then he seems like a silly guy. Like, I feel like he's kind of silly and like, he's weird in a way that I feel like a lot of Christians weren't allowed to be weird, which is I almost wonder, he's like weird and really, really good at what he does, which I feel like is not something you encounter a lot often yeah. in like more the evangelical space. And I feel like that's that's something I actually find interesting about this record. Like, do you guys feel, Illinois definitely digs into some religious themes. Do you feel like there's a, 
Do you feel like he's dealing with some of that on Michigan or do you feel like Michigan for him is strictly about the narrative storytelling of where he grew up? I think there's a lot of religious imagery and yeah, I, th- I, I think that there's a lot of religion in Michigan. For example, uh, for the widows in Par- paradise, for the fatherless in Ypsilanti, like I think that's like a, it's almost like a hymn, you know? I th- the, one of the things I like about Sufjan is that he kind of like, he jumps between the spiritual and the mundane and the odd, like pretty seamlessly. And I, sometimes you don't really know which one he, what place he's inhabiting. When you said odd there, was it ODD or is it AD? It's always AD. Ah, <laughs> okay. <laughs> now just to, to comment on that, I think Michigan is special because that's where he's from. And so there are songs about the just the state, but I think the best Sufyan is when he's using something about the state just as a jumping off point to his life. And he lets totally. you in on his story. So Michigan is great because it's his childhood. It's where he was born. You get little glimpses into, and that's, you know, he's elusive. He's mysterious. All we have are glimpses into his life through these autobiographical songs about a state. And I think Sufjan, I think we'll talk about this with Illinois, but he tends to not want to be completely sentimental about himself, but not write songs that are completely detached from himself on these 50 states projects, likes to find a medium or a middle to that. I I do want to say on record that I believe he will do one more state before we die. Oh, wow. I hope you're right. You want to know why I believe that? Because I swore when I was like 12, I was like, I will not die before there's another Star Wars trilogy. And I was right. So, and aren't you so glad that you got that? And I wasn't talking about about the, the prequels. This was after the prequels, and I was like, "There will be another," and I got it. And boy, what a what a what a mess. ride it's been! What a mess, you know. Let's so hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, Sufian will turn my prof, my prophetic uh, powers. Around. One fan theory is that Carrie and Lowell was supposed to be the Oregon record, and uh, sounds like Oregon. That's good. And with the B sides and stuff, um, it it could be possible that that might have been a state record, and then he shifted it. So you think maybe his mouse was like clicking, hovering over, sending the email. Colin <laughs> is like, I think that's it. Should I do it about gone? Oregon or about my mother passing away? And it or was like, here, Oregon. It's like sometimes I take too many books out of the library, and then I realize I have too many books out of the library, and I should read some of the books that I own. And I'm like, I don't want to be hemmed in by this choice that I made. You know, I feel like that's what happened to him with the Fifty States project. He's just like, thought it was funny. And he's like, I don't like this anymore. Like he just had a hard pivot. I think it's interesting to call out because it is the first state. If someone said, hey, tell me what a tasty treat is. I would say a tasty treat is a moment on the record, a, a audio moment where you just think he achieved something as a musician. It could be a musical part, it could be a melody, it could be a vocal part, it could be a drum beat, could be whatever. But let's all take a second here. Let's all name a tasty treat. Yeah, I'll start out the the tasty treat. So my tasty treat uh, from Michigan are the New Age Bells on Taquamenon Falls. And the bells that also show up on Alansan Crooked River. 
I find like on both these records, he has these really interesting um, instrumental tracks. And I really like those new age bells, the way they come in and kind of break up the flow of the songs. And just when I was listening through the album, I was like, I just, I'm also just like, I'm really into like new age music. I've been for a while. And like, that's something where I'm like, oh, cool. Like he's kind of bringing in like almost like field sounds into this to give you even a greater sense of the place. So that was, uh, that was a tasty treat for me. Justin, how about you? What's uh, what's a tasty treat for you for the record? Tasty Treat is the banjo intro to The Widows in Paradise. Hearing that strum and that banjo intro, I it just gets me right where it's supposed to. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, this song and this sound is amazing. So that's like my favorite sound on the album. I, I totally see, I completely know what you're saying. I love that. I love that. I love that song. Um, banjo is such a unique uh, has such a unique sound to it. The way Sufjan plays banjo, it's not like that kind of. It's not kind of like the bluegrass, like fast. It's like he treats a banjo sort of more like a guitar. Maybe am I right, Jordan, in saying that? Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. I mean, it still sounds like a banjo, but yeah, it's but not, but he doesn't. It's not like, like doing a claw hammer or something. He's he's yeah. on record saying he got sick of the banjo and i don't think we've really heard it since illinois no it's in carry and lowell oh it is a little bit okay uh my tasty treat is in the song holland Mm. i love that song Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. at about two minutes and 50 seconds the strings and horn melody i'm not gonna hum it right now i'm gonna edit it in when i do the edit but i mean you know kind of the last quarter of the song it's just uh, every time gets me in the feels Sivian has a way with uh, horns and strings and those you know uh, instrumental parts he's talented at that but this is I feel like one of his brightest moments especially on a record like michigan where i actually learned this from you justin where he wanted the horn section to sound like a high school band almost and this is one of the parts where it definitely transcends that uh that but but yeah for the most of the record he's he's got the horns doing like simple scales and stuff which is i remember first hearing it i i was like what is he doing but then now i love it so yeah they're intentionally like just sharp or just flat it's great I yeah. love it. My tasty treat is uh, the piano. I mean, I guess it really is only piano, but um, the song Redford for Yaya and Papu. <laughs> uh, it's just so, it's such a beautiful piece totally. and uh, just a little an instrumental thing. It's, there's no time signature, so he's just kind of randomly hitting the chords. But they feel like they fit together. He, he does it in a way that it still makes it feel cohesive. And it's just so pretty. And here's a little side note. Was also featured in a Red Bull commercial once. Wow. Sufjan sold it? out. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like it Isn't it the goal, though, is to just be in an energy drink commercial? Jordan, would you sell a song to Red Bull? Yes. 
I mean, like, Jack, dude. Where, Jordan, where's your line? Is it Monsanto? <laughs> yeah, I think it might be. What yeah. about for, for Loco? You know, they just want to. No, no, I would do For Loco for sure. Kale, would you write a poem for Monsanto? Um, I would say Monsanto. Hey. Oh, nice. Wow, that's good. That was quick. I'd write nice. them a poem that would make them change their hearts. <laughs> they truly yeah. are, Pastor. I thought those are all great tasty treats. Now, this is going to be hard for you guys because you guys are big Suffin fans, but you have to choose a hero, which is your favorite, or maybe what you think is the best song on the album. And also, a zero does not mean that you think the song is bad necessarily. I think something that a previous guests have articulated that I think is a good way to put it. It's like a song you could cut from the record and you wouldn't lose anything from the record. Lucas, why don't you start us off with your zero from Michigan? Ooh, my zero. This is actually pretty easy for me. My zero is O Detroit, or whatever the long version is. Because I feel the only purpose of this song on the album is because he had to separate Holland and Romulus, which are two incredible songs. And that's why that song exists. Yeah, Jordan and I talked about uh, there's two songs in particular that they're like industrial. Like you picture like people slamming hammers and like it's got a little bit of a musical theater vibe, you know? Mm -hmm. Sweaty muscular men slamming hammers. Mm -hmm. That's right. Well, then I quickly want to jump in and do mine because my zero is they also mourn who do not wear black for the homeless in Muskegon. It's another one of the, I mean, to be fair, like Sufjan is really influenced by a composer called Steve Reich with a Brooklyn-based composer. And it's all like this. It's like just 30 minutes of like loop or like someone playing like marimba and just like, and maybe a weird time signature, but it's just like over and over again and slowly adds little elements and then takes them away. And it's always like, what I, the way I would describe it is, is like, it's not really happy, but it's not really sad either. It's just, it's kind of like productive sounding. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, that, and so Sufjan, does this and I like that he does this and whenever I hear Steve Reich I'm always like oh it's like Sufjan yeah I, I I do feel a little bit like um, uh, they also mourn which is like six and a half minutes of that it's just I don't know it's I love it but if it wasn't on the record I wouldn't like stop listening to the record yeah it's like if you have to try you don't you don't really need that song, you know, like it feels like it's just kind of accomplishing the same thing. It Jordan, that's so funny. That is, that's a double zero. That's also my zero is that exact song. I was between that and Detroit actually for me, just because wow. I felt the musical element. I, it, it's, it feels obnoxious, but it's also they're good songs, but like there's an element where I'm like, okay, if I was keeping one, I'd keep Detroit, I'd get rid of um, Black Mortar. So I feel like at that point in the record, I'm like, I don't need another trip down this, road yeah so you both think i'm wrong is what you're saying nobody's wrong as usual as usual as usual this is awkward for me because my zero is kale's tasty treat well that's okay because it's not zero. my (laughs) zero is taquenaman falls because if i wanted to wear 
if I wanted to hear wind chimes, <laughs> I'd go to your mama's house. <laughs> or, you, or, or you could you could borrow from my record collection because that's mostly what it is. I just kind of go, it's just like you you express it as you love the bells. I'm just kind of like, this is my mom's patio. I am sitting out of my mom's patio and uh, she's she's uh, giving me a lemonade. Right. Maybe you're triggered, you make- triggered by some of your trauma or something. And it <laughs> is pancakes? triggering, yes. Does your so, mom make good pancakes though? I mean, my mom's great, but I'm just she's saying. Awesome. I, Love you, Jill. Yeah, Jill Bills. She's great. But I'm just, I just don't need two minutes of, of Bills. I'm so sorry, Kale. We're getting spicy. All, all I'll say, I, it's totally fine, Justin. I'm just saying, if, if Jordan's, Jordan's making a coffee in the morning, you might put on uh, that song, you know? That's like an easy, that's an easy way to start your day with those wind chimes. It is true. It is true. He's not wrong. There is something about Kale and Jordan and their like global new age music that I don't think me and Lucas really get. Yeah. Whatever happened to just a man and his guitar, you know? That's what I'm trying to say. Let's get the <laughs> wind chimes out of there. <laughs> That's honestly it's it's not I mean again you're not wrong. It's like you could definitely make a case that it's uh it's filler. Let me guess you guys do yoga. You're, you're not wrong. You're just simple. <laughs> <laughs> You, this disappears from the album. I don't even think I would notice. Yeah. Honestly, it's, it's, in total truth, if you played the album without it, I probably wouldn't notice. That's the honest truth. But it's Kale's tasty treat, so I'm sorry, Kale. I, no uh, apologies. Don't don't be nice. This is album versus album. Yeah, it's a versus. We're ripping each other off. We're ripping each other apart, bitches. <laughs> All right, let's do it. This is a death match. All right, now yeah. it's it's time for a hero. Yeah. And a hero is the, the opposite of a zero. So. Um, well, why don't we, let's make one of these guys go first. You know, you went last. Justin, what's your hero? What's your favorite song on this record? Hands down, Romulus. It's the best song. It's, oh man, Romulus is is one of my favorite Sufjan songs. I think it is, it is what, if Carrie and Lowell is Lord of the Rings, Romulus is the Hobbit. It's like you've got to read that first. The books, not the movie. Yeah, the books. Yeah, okay, good, good. It's almost like you've got to listen to Romulus first. If you don't listen to Romulus, you can't move on to Carrie and Lowell. It's him processing his childhood before the death of his mom, and you're getting you're getting an insight. And I would say that was the worst Christmas ever. Is another one. There are these these Sufjan as a child processing his childhood, and it's beautiful and sad and i asked my wife if we had a boy to name him romulus and and she said no because she's mainstream obviously but well, she's smart too yeah but i would have named my child romulus i mean dude that song is so beautiful like that line um her chevrolet broke down we prayed it would never be fixed or be found yes i love that or like no a child being ashamed of their parent is yes. such a like it hurts it hurts your soul a little bit to hear someone, even a grown-up, sing about it. It's like, ah, just you it feel hits it. you so hard. What Sufjan went through, his grandfather dying, and then his mother is emotionally detached, dyeing her hair in the other room. Like you get yeah. images like that. And our grandpa bought us a VCR, and and you know, and so it also calls like nostalgia and childhood and childhood pain and it's just a beautiful song i love it it's a great song 
I, I also love that song, and it was between that song and this one, but I'm going basic. I'm going for the widows in paradise. That song is uh, is uniquely Sophie Stevens, and that song is. I mean, I don't think I'll ever get tired of that song. It is so. I'll good. do anything for you. I love. I just love that song. The harmonies are great. The lyrics are awesome. I just love that song. And Justin, you pointed out the intro, that banjo. Once it starts, you just know. So if it's taking me on a gentle, gentle ride. You're like, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> baby, get this, baby, get this melon camp out of the truck. We're putting the Sufi in. You know what I'm saying? Get out of here. If there's anything to say, if there's anything to Um, I will tell a hero. I I just want to highlight this song. I I I don't know if it's if I think it's the best song on the record, but I think it's understated and not and it's really special. It's Sleeping Bear Sue St. Marie. Just like a, it comes at the perfect spot on the record. Um, it's just like this big breath, but it's so pretty. There's so much space. Um, and it just tells the story of, well, what you imagine at least is Sufian kind of seeing a bear who, who, who runs away and again makes these kind of spiritual illusions. And it's, it's, a, it's a favorite of mine from this record. And there's a Sault Ste. Marie in Michigan and in Ontario, right? Oh, is there? I Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah that was they, debated on the podcast, and Jordan insisted it was a Canadian town and not in Michigan. I think it, there's one of the, on each side of the border. Is there really? No, Sault Ste. Marie is far. It's not on the border. I could be there's wrong. There's not one on each side of the border? I don't, oh, maybe. I no, you might be right. No. I mean, someone could easily Google this. And there is no way to it find is. out. Jordan and I argued about it on the podcast. There's no answer. There's no way to look it <laughs> no. up. Hang on. It is right on the border. Sorry. It is right on the border. But I don't think there's a Sault Ste. Marie in America. Well, all we're saying is that maybe... A bunch of Canadians talking about Stephen Stevens ain't so crazy. There's one in Michigan and in Ontario. There is. Canadian. There is. Okay. So there's one in both. But it's it's like borders. You're right. It borders. Um, well, in my heart, I choose to believe that he saw a bear in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just take a little bit of that Canadian pride home with us. Uh, I got to be proud of something. I think I think that's a great choice. That's one that definitely stuck out to me. Um as well that was definitely in the contention i it's weird like i don't know if you guys um how you guys feel about spotify i'd be curious to know what you think of the streamers especially jordan since you are you know a working musician they just changed this thing where now you can see what every song on an album has been streamed which is interesting so you can see on michigan for example which song has been listened to the most and which has been listened to the least Mm. Just kind of an interesting like data, just as a thing. Like I look at data in my day job, and I find that a bit interesting to look at. Salsi Marie is is up there in terms of uh, the songs that have had the most. But like you look at for the widows in paradise, that has sixteen over sixteen million streams, and everything else in the record has one to five. So you're wow. saying I'm a, I'm a basic bitch, is what you're saying? Exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, you're so basic. Uh, you like for the widows. That's so maybe crazy. I'm the mainstream wife. You are, you are of the podcast. Right Why don't you now? go put on your white Oakleys? <laughs> Where are your puka shells, Lucas? How did you know I have puka shells and white Oakleys? Take off your like your your ankle bracelet. All right, let's like be here. And your toe yeah, ring. 
tribal <laughs> tattoos. Um, so I'll, I'll go next for my hero. So my hero is Holland. I went with Holland because I um, I really like, and I have a bit of a nostalgic connection to a lot of Simon and Garfunkel. That was one of my dad's favorite bands. And I have a real soft spot for sad sort of 60s folk. And I think that Holland fits into that, the tenor of that vibe. Like I remember when I was making notes on this record, I was like, this is like a sad Simon and Garfunkel song. Um, and when I went back through the record, there's other songs I really liked. Um, as well, but this is one where I kind of like that it's a little bit simpler and it's sad um, and it has like a good message. I, I, I find I like how Sufian is trying to talk to different characters in a way. You guys mentioned again on your Age of Ads episode about how he was very influenced by the painter who did the cover art, who I'm, I'm blanking on the name on, but do you guys remember offhand the painter that really inspired him for Age of Odds? Royal Roberts or, right? Royal, Royal Robertson. Royal Robertson. That's Royal right. Robertson. It, it kind of almost seems like Sufjan was like, if he was like looking at art, it sort of feels like he was maybe looking at a lot of Edward Hopper or something for this album. Like there are certain sort of like classic Americana working man feels to this um, album. And I feel like that really comes out in this song. A, a little bit like maybe I'm, I'm it's a bit of a stretch maybe but like i just i like the feel and like almost the the colors on this uh the song yeah. i liked yeah that's a good point this record is very it feels very kind of american a frontier land or something but like you know more kind of artsy sophisticated yeah right way. Mm-hmm. holland always reminded me of sunlight through a window and watching dust particles and jordan said that without me saying that to him like he had the same thought that somehow Holland is like just sitting in your room and just watching the dust particles in the sunlight through the window. And that wow. blew my mind. There's something about that song that we both felt that way. Isn't that weird, Jor? I mean, to be fair, we're both obsessed with dust particles. It's so fun. You guys got to check <laughs> that was it your out. Other, that was your other topic on the podcast? Either oh. Sophia or dust particles? We like to do... Uh, at least a half hour an episode on what we see when we look at dust particles. <laughs> one, one thing too about this song, his vocal delivery has some intensity. You know, like the way he sings. Uh, I wrote down the way he sings "Sleeping on Lake Michigan." He does kind of like a vocal. I don't know what you call it, Jordan. Maybe you know. It's kind of like flutters around them. I can't do it. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's so great. That's yeah, that's great. very new age, folks. <gasps> Should we all have a turn? Michigan. Oh, that was bad. <laughs> yeah, no, Justin, that was good. Kale, you're the only one left. Michigan. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> that's how like Bruce Springsteen would do it. So that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I actually have. If you guys haven't seen, uh, I have the full. Uh, I don't know how to sing, but I have the full Bruce Springsteen complete here. So if anyone wants to come over and play some Springsteen songs on the piano. Every uh, 80s Springsteen song for guitar. Have you ever listened to Sufjan Stevens in like a mixed group? It's horrifying. People are like, What is this? <laughs> yeah, what is this weird clown music? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of clowns, should we uh pivot to the our next um album? You are oh. you're good at this, dude. John Wayne Gacy Jr. <laughs> That's a terrifying song. So Fast Facts, Stephen Stevens invites you to come on Feel the Illinois, was released on July 4th, 2005, also known as Illinois. It was his fifth studio album. The artwork for this album was created by 
Divya Sunavansan. Illinois was Zufan Stevens' greatest commercial and critical success to date. For the first time, his work charted on the Billboard 200, and it received several awards from critics. Uh, Metacritic assesses Illinois as having received universal acclaim, and it was designated as the best-reviewed album of 2005, alongside Z by My Morning Jacket. Also, interestingly, the longest song title on Illinois is To the workers of the Rock River Valley region, I have an idea concerning your predicament, and it involves an inner tube, bath mats, and 21 able-bodied men. And that is Fast Facts. Sufjan, (laughs) come on. Come on, Sufi. That's crazy. What's the idea? When we talk about Nintendo, nobody's saying the NES sucks. But everyone agrees the SNES is better. You know what I'm saying? No one's looking at the NES and saying, nothing was good about it, I just wish it didn't exist. Everyone just says the SNES is an improvement on the NES. And for me, Illinois is the SNES, and Michigan is the NES. And that's how I feel about these two records. Couldn't agree more. Wow, that... that, No, some people go, NES was the breakout innovative thing and it had the most games and my best memories is playing the nes you could might objectively say the snes has 32 bit you might be or 16 you might objectively say look illinois it's a little bit better quality or whatever you can't just assume that means it's a better record though I don't think just because of the quality of the recording or something, it's better. I mean, everything is an improvement. I, I, in my humble opinion, I think this record, well, I think both are, both are masterpieces. It's like this is the 2.0. This is the uh, this is the the next layer on the big Sufin cake, and this is the one everyone wants to eat. This layer. It is remarkably good. I will say that, and it, there are so many iconic. Sufjan tracks on this album that banger after banger it's like a fire hose of Sufjan's brilliance so maybe uh, again if uh, if you to Sufjan students could explain to us what was the tenor of Sufjan's place in the musical marketplace in 2005 this was released two years and three days after Michigan, which is not that long. It is more in the traditional album cycle, um, as you were saying earlier, Jordan, um, which was not kind of typically the norm with Sufjan, but what, what was sort of the tenor building up to Illinois when this when this came out? Um, well, Michigan was, uh, I think, a bit of a... I, I think it was a critically acclaimed record, and it was it put definitely put Sufjan on the map, as well as Seven Swans, but I, I think he was still a bit of a sleeper artist, this was also just in the age of Pitchfork kind of becoming the tastemaker in the in the Western world. Uh, I think, and, and actually, I think Pitchfork made a really concerted effort to do all they could to make this a success. Because actually they really, they did a review on Michigan and then they re-released the review on Michigan about a year later because it didn't really get the traction that they, that they had hoped. Um, and so when Illinois came out, it was, it was kind of primed, you know, you know when a band has like, a lot of critical acclaim and so all the cool kids know about them and then 
they just kind of hit that sweet spot and it just it takes it to the next level. That's that's what Illinois was. And there's this uh, documentary that came out in around 2006 or seven about the Danielson family. And Sufjan is like in the band and he, he's one of the artists with the other artists around Daniel Smith and you have Half-Handed Cloud and, and some others. And in the documentary they show once he starts playing Chicago live, it almost, the documentary made you want to feel like he's not one of us anymore. He's overshadowing us. He's reaching levels we'll never reach. And they kind of, the documentary at least plays that narrative. So there is something about Illinois where all of a sudden he does reach a level that I think his peers never did. And, and you said like he reaches the billboard charts, people start going to shows to see him specifically. To just say this, when John Ringhofer was on our podcast, he he did mention that the Illinois tour was like the tour where Sufjan couldn't come out and pack up the gear because he would just be inundated with people wanting to talk to him. So there's something about this album that it just made him blow up in a way that no other one did. This doesn't only just have like the like Chicago, which is arguably like a perfect song. So good that even Snow Patrol sang about the song in their own yes, song. Yes, yeah. Does Snow Patrol oh. say Suf, put Suf John Stevens on? Like, did they even say it right? Only God knows. <laughs> There's <laughs> no way to know. <laughs> it was almost a big enough indie record, like in the way that like maybe Arcade Fire or something like, like Feist or something, the way it like almost hits this level where you're like, my mom just made a reference to a band that like that's weird it like almost got to that level but not it like kind of fizzled out which is almost better it's a better i think you want your your favorite album to not get so famous you know yeah, yeah. and it is ranked like the number one indie album of the decade on a lot of lists like it's a number one for uh, on a lot of people's lists uh, as especially when it comes to indie music wait weren't you supposed to be defending michigan you're just doing my job for me. <laughs> <laughs> just wait. Just wait. I've got the takedown of the century coming. <laughs> uh, so so Illinois, you know, by by all accounts, is it sort of like blows the doors off for Sufjan in a way that he hadn't had previously. And in sort of what was interesting, what you said earlier, Justin, about him deciding with Michigan that he was like, this is where I'm really going to like make a go at being a full time musician and then he achieved that success uh, it sounds like he toured a lot with michigan and then when um illinois came out also it's the extension of michigan in that it's a it's a second states record has us even like the cover looks similar it has a similar feel that i mean the opening of this record is you know like the first four or five songs it's setting you up for like even listening to it in preparation for this episode it was it was wild to me because it's it's a there's a lot here there's a lot to digest in this album and I think to release yeah. an album with 22 tracks and you know again he has similar setups where he has certain songs that are instrumental he had sort of takes you through the record almost in a similar flow to to Michigan but maybe where Michigan's a bit more muted in its sound or a little bit quieter uh, Illinois has you know, a lot more going on, a lot more instrumentation. Yeah, it's like, it sort of feels like him leaning into the narrative storytelling even more heavily in some ways. Um, and also upping the element of the the religion slash 
Christianity angle coming out in mm-hmm. songs in a way where like there's a lot to both relate to and also to perhaps you know like if you have a message board and you're like well what do you think he means in this song he just leaves a lot to the discussion that could be there even even the way this record starts with that piano it's like I, and that was the first thing i ever heard you know the first i pushed play on that cd i think i put it in my van and that's the first thing i ever heard by him and it's still i'm like every time i hear it i'm just like mm-hmm. he gives that review on the leonardo leonardo dicaprio movie you know when the revenant came out we couldn't imagine what it was <laughs> that's ah. amazing <laughs> that's good lucas i've never heard that before you know what i'm really happy justin's here <laughs> <laughs> No, but like, I remember I saw him on that Age of Odds tour. I, I sat near the back and I remember maybe three quarters of the show, he played it. And still, I was just like, ooh, we can still do it. He's still got it. He still yeah. can like tickle my, uh, the cockles of my heart. Yeah. People started dancing in the aisle and I was like, this is not what I want. Yeah. I want the sad Casimir Pulaski Sufin Stevens, not yeah. the happy. Ooh, you're inviting the wrath of, uh, the Facebook group. Sorry, you know what though? That's just what I wanted. I accept all facets of <laughs> No, uh, we're lame um, millennials like you, Lucas. We agree with you. <laughs> so, if if you guys had to pick some some tasty treats from this from this album, you know, it's there's so much here. It's so hard to to pick one thing that perhaps stands out, but if you had to pick something that stands out as a particularly, there's a standout moment for you now, I would say, um, if you happen to have one at the time in compared to now, that would be interesting to hear too. You had to go with a Tasty Chew from this record. Who, who would kind of like to kick us off with some Tasty, tasty Treat? I'll go first. I, I think this record's so dense and you could like we could we could have a whole episode on tasty treats we've talked about Casimir Pulaski Day before on this on this album so I'm gonna leave this song alone but that song itself is just a gigantic tasty treat of life but my my tasty treat is a little unique for me the song John Wayne Gacy Jr which you know uh, singing about a like ch- child serial killer not really a common song topic uh, at the end of that song the final like stands of that song where he basically compares himself and sees himself in John Wayne Gacy Jr. A confusing, wonderful moment on this record. And it's for me, it's it's always it always hits me the same. I uh he's not necessarily saying that what John Wayne well, he's not saying what he did is okay, but he's saying that he can see himself, he can see the evil in him. I I always love that part. It just floors me. I love the discussion that Jordan and I had about this song on our Illinois episode. One is John Wayne Gacy Jr. is the most preachable Sufjan song. Like it, like it, it you could do ser- a sermon on it. But also I asked the question is, doesn't it kind of date it? Like the idea of like this great twist of like, hey guys, all my best behavior, I'm actually just as good as a serial killer. Is like that self-loathing doesn't is not really fashionable anymore (laughs) and jordan joked that today it would just be like i am awesome (laughs) that's what i think is funny about john wayne gacy jr is i actually think it's a little bit frozen in that time of 
of an early 2000s kind of like a self self-loathing and i think masquerading in a way that people go wow he doesn't think too highly of himself which i think sufyan is being authentic and i actually still love the sentiment of it but i just think that was a very popular thing at the time to kind of have this yeah. this don't look at me i'm i'm as bad as anyone else yeah you know? thanks for shitting all over my tasty treat i appreciate it <laughs> <laughs> no, but, uh, <laughs> but Jordan, you know it, Jordan. No, I completely Jordan know what you're saying. Me it, it's it's very like also very Christian to be like, I'm just such a sinner. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. And, right, and I yeah. do, I do disagree with the sentiment of being like you're bad and just accept that you're bad. I don't think that's healthy. But but it's also honest to be like I, uh, to not just go like look how bad this guy is. I'd never be like him, but to see yourself in him. I mean, it's it's a yeah. strange position to take, and I love it. It's my tasty treat, and I love it too, Lucas. I, to be clear, like of course I do. Thank you, Mister Bills. <laughs> there, there's two things in there I find really interesting. Like one is the idea of how a song ages or the sentiment of something ages uh, is is very interesting. It, it is strange to think this is the song is 16 years old, yeah. which is it, which is pretty wild to, to sort of think contextually with with you know where we were at in 2021. But I also think about you know for me often I, I try to think about it in relation to certain maybe writers who who had certain fixations or things they wrote about a lot. Like the author Graham Greene wrote a lot of his books. Um, he was raised in a he was like very Catholic. And there's a lot of um, sort of Catholic guilt in that sort of like seeps through a lot of his his writing. And I think, has that aged particularly well? Not, you could argue maybe not, but it's also of a of a time and of an of an era. And and I think to- and I am of that time and era, so it must be why it hits me so hard. And, and there is just still something quite powerful about him going through. And like, I, I personally just find even the way he's describing, like re-listening to the album in preparation for this, hearing him talk about like John Wayne Gacy and the way he would like undress these boys and like like he just goes into like a super uncomfortable mm. place with with the lyrics and, and what he's talking about, mm-hmm. and then to flip it around and be like I, like I think that like what he's describing in the song is one like one of the worst things you could commit to someone, and to then have him sort of flip it around, still still I feel like has even for me feeling the. I guess maybe the like what it the song is trying to do, in a way, or like like what the intention of it is, is very clear at the end, but it still feels like it has for me as well, like it has a has an impact, especially if you grew up in the church, because there's all this, there's the idea that like we say we're the sim, like we say we're similar, you know, like we're, we're no better than anyone else, but there's still this this undercurrent for me, I think, in the church of like, but we're better, you know, like there's just still this undercurrent to a degree of like. We th- or we think we're like not. I'm, I'm speaking very broadly here, but like we, there's this undercurrent of like, but we are still holier than to a degree, and to have someone so, so drastically compare the two, just feels still has a, a resonance to say like you really, you really went there in in this song, which I feel, yeah, like I I really struggle with this song too because I've like part of me feels like this could be like a top contender, but it's also one that I'm, I, I still feel like uncomfortable listening to it, which I think mm. is a, speaks well to the song's quality, but I, I, am, I, I still am very uncomfortable listening to the song, in a, yeah. I think in a good way. And in my best behavior, I am really just like him. 
So why don't you give us your tasty treat then there, Kale? Certainly. So my tasty treat for um, this record is the uh, 70s sort of like sort of like bluesy morphing into funk opening of uh, Night Zombies. They are Night Zombies. They are neighbors. They have come back from the dead. Ah, exclamation mark, which is, again, almost could be that title could be a tasty treat in itself. But I find the opening of that song really cool and i think for this deep in the record it just kind of is like a bit of a different musical style from what we've heard for through a lot of it mm-hmm. um so i really i really like kind of that song but especially the opening i feel like gave me a, it's a nice sort of like shift in tone um at this point in the record so that'd be my that'd be my tasty treat and kale the bells are back <laughs> on this hey. album. yes the bells have come your back. beloved bells are on illinois they didn't leave, you know. He couldn't. He couldn't get rid of them. The wind chimes on <laughs> on Grandma's porch. Grandma's wind chimes. There's a whole song for you. There's a twister coming. I wrote uh, for that song. My only note was just that I would like to hear Safin do more disco. Let's hear disco records, Safin. If you're listening, Safin, disco. And he is. <laughs> <laughs> the other the other thing I, I wrote down as a treat, which I, I won't say is an official treat. I don't know. I almost kind of like the, the long song titles are almost a treat, even in their they're simultaneously a treat and incredibly obnoxious at the same time. It's like a, <laughs> there's something kind of almost charming about how ridiculous they are, you know. Like, the time. And the true fans are just abbreviate them, like the wasps. Mm-hmm. Like, like you just you you I call, call, I you call that song it. zombies, yeah yeah predatory wasp prairie fire. Well, that's what I was just gonna say before someone else steals it. My tasty treat is Decatur or Ranus yeah. stepmother, um, and the the vocal in that song. Ugh. I love how it kind of like weaves between like a harmony and a melody. Yeah, um, there's, there's like two vocals singing together, and uh, the. The, the harmony vocal is quite prominent to a point where like you don't really know what the, the melody is supposed to be yeah um, and it's just so so fun and great I just love I remember listening to this record and being like oh you can just like write kind of like you can just throw a fun song on your record and like I don't know it, but and it can still be really good and moving yeah it's I mean that song's great yeah it has so many great rhymes there's just amazing rhymes in that song yeah. I feel like Decatur could easily be the best track on anyone's album. And on Illinois, it's like usually the fifth one mentioned, but it's so good. Like people forget about it. It's so good. And he has like kind of a childlike, he can do this once in a while. He, he does this like kind of childlike perspective. And it's great in this one. Like just, mm. it's the way I picture kids describing a day and like, uh, Stephen A. Douglas was a great debater. Abraham Lincoln was a great emancipator. Uh, something about alligator, navigator. Dude, I remember my friend Nick and I, we used to try to uh, do an acapella version of, of Decatur, and we could never get that first note because he starts kind of in a weird spot. The harmonies were. Yeah, weird. yeah, totally. Kind of like a, what Neil Young does, Cinnamon Girl, you know? Neil yeah. Young's thing is like the, the low harmony, and the lead is like his backing guitarist or whatever. It kind of feels the same way. It's just, it's really hard to nail that Just taking the lead. Justin, how about you, man? What oh, my tasty treat. Uh, thank you. Um, Lucas referenced it. It's the piano intro to the UFO.
Jordan, uh, I didn't know this until Jordan mentioned it, but there isn't really a set time signature to it. Uh, he's not fo following. Actually, I'm kind of stealing Jordan's words from our Illinois episode. When Sufjan plays piano, it's incredible how beautiful it sounds. And, and just like you, Lucas, on iTunes, I was like, should I buy this album? Let me just check out the first track. And I just had to hear that well, piano intro and I immediately bought the whole album because I just knew that's awesome. if that's what it sounds like, I'm going to love it. And Sufjan Stevens is, is no stranger to strange like time signatures, you know, like he does on Michigan. Like I think there's three or four songs where he's doing five, four, which is arguably one of the hardest time signatures to play in. Mm -hmm. he, he's, he's also not scared of seven, four, which is also a hard time signature. But like five is a really hard one. And yeah. he makes it feel natural almost every time. So to do like a free one is like free form. No, no time is like whatever, you know, it's not a big deal for this guy. He's a time signature master. It's true. Okay, Kale. Well, it's the fateful moment of Heroes and Zeros. Which is a very hard thing to do on this record because this record is perfect. Uh, who wants to go first with their zero? What's your least favorite song on this record? If anyone says one last woohoo for the Pullman, I'm going to kick them in the nuts. <laughs> no, I love one last woohoo for the Pullman. It's not a real song. I'll, a real I'll song. I'll start since I uh, I'm I'm the least uh, I'm, I'm the Sufian lightest of of the crew. My zero is the tallest man, the broadest shoulders, because in the vein of of sort of the zero, like what could you lose? This is a hard record to pick a zero from because there are a lot of songs that have a lot of merit and to what you said Lucas there are a lot of songs that are quite dense and like they add a lot to it but I was like if this song was gone like I feel like this deep in the record it, it has a little bit of the cadence of a couple of the Michigan songs like the Detroit song we were talking about um, it also sounds a lot like um, Come On Feel the Illinois and it's quite long like it's, it's quite long for this point in the record where I was like if this one was gone if you just give this one the boot um, I would I don't think you you lose anything with the song being gone. Not I like again, I don't really have a lot to say about why it's I don't think it's a bad song per se. I think it would serve well in a, in a maybe a different setting, but I feel like this deep what he's doing here, I'm like, I feel like he's kind of done it already, and I just feel like yeah, you could lose this one. In my yeah, mind. that's so. my zero as well. Kale. Oh really? And, and I agree really? for all the same reasons. Yeah. Because every song feels important except for this one for some reason. Um, and I think for all the reasons you mentioned. So I'll just say I just totally agree with you. It was, for me, it was between that one and Prairie, Prairie Fire That Wanders About. But then I kind of thought about it and I was like, Prairie Fire, Fire That Wanders About is not really a song. It's kind of an interlude. So I cut that one out. And so that's three for three, guys. I just, I feel like with that song, it feels like, come on, feel the Illinois. You know, like, uh, the movie Stand Tall with The Rock and then they remade it and they had that other guy play the character and just it's, it's like a shitty sequel it kind of just feels that way to me they had another guy play The Rock? no in the sequel to Standing Tall Standing Tall Walking Tall the guy, I barely know the first one exists so the, I'm really trying to follow the, the bad. I bet I bet John Cougar Mellencamp loves that movie. yeah they, your references are losing me here guys let's keep it I topical just, please like I can't really choose Prairie Fire at the 
wanders about because it's not really a song, even though that song, the only wrote, the only note I wrote for that song is, it makes me think of Narnia for some weird reason. I don't know why. I don't like that song, but it's not a song, is it? It's like an interlude. So my zero is also the tallest man. Oh. You have to be an outlier here, and I, I think the tallest man is a great bridge on on this record. Like I, I, I think it is needed and. Actually, do you know what? My zero is Out of Egypt and the Great Laugh of Mankind and I shake the dirt from my sandals as I run, which is the last song on the record. It's Mm. just kind of this like throbbing, like, you know, the not like dissonant. I actually think The Tallest Man, The Bar of Shoulders could have been the last song on the record and it would have made a lot more sense. I agree Um, with you there. But it's like, like, I don't know. The last two songs, it's like Sufjan, you've already really challenged us a lot. I, I don't, I, I just don't know. Like, it just feels like an elaboration that didn't need to be there. Wow. You don't, you don't get to end the record on anything kind of that hits home. You know, wow. it's just kind of a nothing ending. Sure. You think he was just I like, think... put it all in the album. Just put it all. Well, it was, yeah. it was going to be a double uh, album. Like, he was going to have a lot more songs. But man, Jordan, I think you got us. I, I'm, a part of me is like, oh, Jordan convinced me. Like, in a way, I'm like, yeah, I'd probably lose the Egypt out of Egypt song over it, you know, because the one that we want to cut, it still has that ah, da, 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 and the cool clapping, like, yeah. Actually, I did write that down. It's got great hand claps, which I, I would the be hand sad to. It's more positive. I, I think it, maybe it's a little bit of a tenor because that's a good point, Jordan. Because like that last song is is kind of dark and it's like a bit of an odd way to end the record. So but it, it, I, it is instrumental, isn't it? Yeah, but it's not even that melodic. It's just kind of, it, it's quite a dissonant. There's just like these dissonant chords that play for four and a half minutes and it's over. And I will say the tallest man does have like, it picks up near the end. It kind of has a new part that comes in. That's a lot better, but still I stand by what I said. And now it's time for heroes, which is basically my favorite part of the whole podcast. I, mm-hmm. I love hearing what everyone's favorite song is. Why don't we start with Jordan? Cause you went last. My hero for this record is the predatory wasp of the Palisades to get us. I said this on our podcast before, but like a lot of people will be like, what's your favorite song on the record? I'll be like, no, what is my favorite song? Period. That's my line drawer. <laughs> that was my, that's my line. Don't try to steal it. Yeah. Well, you know what? You stole my line about the UFO sighting. I know we're, so. we're stealing each other's stuff all over the place. Okay. Go fine. You can have it. But yeah, it, it is really, really good. Uh, it, in my mind, it's like the perfect song. It, it starts out kind of like pretty and ethereal and it bursts into this like perfect celebration and the lyrics tell this story that are, it, again, it's like perfectly encapsulates Sufjan. Really detail-oriented, like uh, a story about him and a friend or his brother maybe, some people might say a lover, and uh, and uh, getting, uh, getting a stung, but it actually has all these kind of huge theological illusions as well. It's so good. It's such a fantastic song. Which blows my mind because when I wrote down Hero for Predatory Wasp, I thought I was being so unique. I was like, everyone's going to be saying things like Casimir Pulaski Day or like Decatur or Chicago, like a bunch <laughs> of losers. And I'm going to come up with Predatory Wasp because the story is beautiful. And I remember the first time I listened to the record, I remember a friend of mine being like, oh, this is a, a gay love song. And being like, whoa, like, you're right, but now I see it as like maybe more innocent, like childhood 
friendship the way um but the, but the way they sing that we were in love we were in love every time like the way that song just bursts like you said it just and and also when he talked about seeing a wasp and then the the string uh the the woodwinds do kind of like a wasp like da, 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 da. it's like kind of flight it's like i don't know it's only Sophie Stevens could write this song, which is why it's my hero. It's my hero too, guys. Oh my gosh! <laughs> the Predatory Wasp is the greatest Sufjan Stevens song he's ever written. <laughs> Hands Hot down. Take. Hot and take. it's my favorite song. Oh, I period. love Period. If you ask me what's my favorite song, period, it's the, the Predatory Wasp with the Palisades is out to get us. I cannot be more hyperbolic about it. I love it. I noticed that when people try to cover it, they can't. Oh yeah. No. Like people try to replicate it, they can't. Um, it is incredible. The melody is incredible. The build is incredible. The like Jordan, the crescendo. Can I say that? Good Very word. smart. Great, great word. Great the word. crescendo. It's so dang good that's all i want to say i remember when jordan first told me you guys were doing a, a podcast i figured it was song for song and i said when you guys do the predatory wasp can i be the guest in that episode and he was like uh sure or like whatever he was just like uh, whatever because i just yeah this song is this song has always been special so anyway kale what's yours well i was gonna share my screen um because i think mine might might surprise you guys i <laughs> That's so weird, but yeah, it's four for four. That that is also ah, my that's yeah. my hero too. You guys are making podcast history. I, I wrote down Predatory Wasp. I went through the whole record and I was just like, like maybe John Wayne Gacy because of just how kind of fucked up and like you know compelling it is. But like I was like I don't love that song and like I went through, through the whole thing. I was like, what's well, got the best build? And like Predatory Wasp came on. I was listening to the record running today and I was just like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's gotta be it. And uh, that's wild. Yeah. So that's four for four. That's my, it's my hero too. For all the reasons you guys listed, I think musically and sonically, it just has such a, a great dynamic to it and, and the build. And for me, a, a songs that have great momentum and, um, and sort of like build on themselves. Like this is something that came up with the weaker than a lot. Like John K. Sampson and, and his band has a great ability to do that. And I think the song is just like, it's like Sufjan at, his height of his powers and so i just think this uh it's like to me it's like that's that's the hero so that's wild i can't i, I kind of similarly thought i was like i'm gonna come in with like mm -hmm. i pretty sure last but that might be a little outlier so anyway well uh wow that's that's wild i think it's a lot of sufjan fans favorite songs i don't think we're out of the ordinary here no we're special we're special yeah yeah we're the only four guys that love this song and it's crazy because there's like some like like um your theme song for your podcast, uh, Man of Metropolis. That's, yeah. That song's awesome. Yeah, and it is awesome. Cassie yeah. Chicago's awesome. Like, Jacksonville's awesome. It's just so hard to dig into this record fully. Each, each one of these songs could easily be the best song on anybody's album. Any of my, any, my record, for sure. If I, if, I, any, if I could steal any of them, I'd be very happy. No, I, no it's, it's just funny because I feel like I... Um, it's, it's just not to like put myself in the, like the, sub the subject seat, but I think it's, it's just, it's interesting to me that that even jumped out to me as someone who's, I had not listened to the, like to either of these records in a long time. And so like, I thought it was like, there's something in that song that like must resonate because like, 
even for me, who was like, I'm not like in Sufian very often and like coming back to it. I was like, yeah, that, no, that's it. You know, like, so it's just like, it, it, it resonates across deep fans and even like people like me who dip in maybe a little more irregularly, but. And when you yeah. were running after, when you were listening to the predatory wasp, did you look down and you went, I just ran the fastest kilometer of my life. <laughs> I didn't, but I did. I was switching between that and your, your podcast. And I heard you talk about how you like to run to, uh, what is it? The Donald Trump song by Mac Miller. When it like yeah. the drum kicks in, you're like, yeah. boom, that's when I get that extra. <laughs> I get oh, that extra that'll boost. get your blood going. One last word, Jordan, what's your one last word? Um, so I'm defending Illinois tonight. While Michigan is, uh, the NES, SNES uh, metaphor was fantastic. And uh, I, I would I would say the same thing. Love Michigan. Think it's an amazing record. Think it is one of the best records of that decade. But uh, I also just, I just think Illinois is just, just a greater achievement. It's, it does more, more consistently, I think. Uh, it, it explores the topic, I think, a little bit more uh, succinctly or, I don't know, I, I think that this one is a little bit, he, he just perfectly balances like kind of research and history with kind of personal experience and theology. So I'm, I'm an Illinois boy. Well, make that too, Illinois boy, because I, I got to say, even though I do love Michigan, Illinois for me, it just feels like the, the polished, uh, improved version uh, it, it hits me in the in the feels and the in the uh, emotional spiritual talking about like masculinity. I think all of it really so if it gets deep on that for me. So I'm I'm an Illinois boy as well. I have something to say. Listen, guys, <laughs> it, I don't have an issue with people liking Illinois better. I love Illinois. I think I've embarrassed myself. I'm saying the best song that ever exists is on Illinois. You know, I basically, everybody's thinking, I'm going to think Illinois is better. It's objectively better. It is the SNES to the NES. But what nobody's asking the question is, what album makes me feel more? And that album is Michigan. We got, um, oh God, where are you now? I feel it. Romulus, I feel it. Holland, you got the dust floating around. You got the widows. You got the banjo. I feel this album more connected to it. I will. It's more timeless to me. I have more fond memories of it. Michigan is the better album because we have a younger, a more innocent, a more pure and beautiful Sufjan Stevens. So we got two oh, Illinois wow. boy yeah. and one Michigan man. That's very compelling. Yeah. I it, it is interesting because I would depending on certain artists I would I would very much go with that argument because there's like the sort of objective like oh like more critics like this album more than the other one but then there's like which one makes me feel more like which one do I feel more connected to and um maybe that's like the entry point question too, you know. It's like where what what was your entry point to Sufjan and like you're always going to have a little extra notch in your belt for that one because it it brought you in 
I, I really was leaning into Michigan more for this one because I I'm not was not as familiar with Michigan and I did find it to be quite interesting in some ways because I had just listened to Illinois so much um, in the past and so Michigan was newer to me. But I think if I I have to say I'm sorry Jordan, but I, uh, or I'm sorry Justin, but I have to say I think I think Illinois I think I have to go with Illinois. I think it's I think it's better. Not not because it's objectively. Well, it, I guess it is objectively better, but it's also like the yep. the what I got out of the two records, listening to them through and through. I hear you, like Romulus, um, especially is like such a great song. But I just felt like I there was more meat on the bone for me in in Illinois, and also it's it was my entry point, so I feel like I've got that side Damn, of it too. So I thought we were on a team here. <laughs> I thought we were together. I got I got shifted, man. I got shifted in this in this whole crazy well, world. Let you know? me just say one last thing, Illinois is amazing but it does kind of become like u2's joshua tree you've you hear the tracks you know they're bangers but you've heard them a lot Mm -hmm. and familiarity breeds contempt it's like (laughs) the streets have no name that's a great song but i hear it at winners when I'm trying on shorts. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like you're at, you're at shoppers and it's like, is that Cuckoo Dolls? You know, you're like, it, you know, when that's, that's made on that playlist. It's like, yeah, objectively, this is U2's greatest album. But you know what? I'm sick of it. I want to put on Michigan. Baby G- now. Yeah. Yeah. Give me some. Yeah. Give me uh, the unquenchable fire. What's it called? <laughs> Undefeatable fire. Whatever. Unforgettable fire. That's it. It's like give me, give me something before it was all refined and amazing. And to me, that's that Michigan. It's raw. It's you know. And yeah. but that's my last attempt to try and persuade anyone. I'll just well, accept defeat. You didn't change my mind, but I I, I hear what you're saying. And I love it. Great collaborative episode with you guys. That was uh, so much fun. Maybe that was the best co- podcast ever. Who knows? <gasps> oh, wow. We might have to turn it on name. its head. Yeah. When we team up, it becomes yeah. the best podcast ever versus <laughs> album. Yeah. Nice. Well, guys, thanks so much for doing this. Um, Thank you, guys. You guys are amazing. Your podcast is great. It was just really gracious of you to let us be on and do this with you. So this was a great time tonight. And, uh, I I hope we're fr- I hope we're friends now. We're friends. I, th- I think we are. Kale, I'm sorry I went after those bells. I still feel bad. Don't I can like if a you nice want guy. You too. He, he betrayed you, man. Don't feel sorry. <laughs> yeah, actually, the email said that we were both doing Michigan. Okay, I know. Yeah, okay. I know. And that's where I and that's where I was like, I, I in my mind, I was like, I I'm leaning into Michigan. That was a, I, for in my experience, <laughs> me experiencing that. That was Sixth Sense level twist. I was it like, was, what? Even in his heart, the devil has to know the water level. Mm, What's that? Good, that is a good lyric. Even, <laughs> Even in, in his heart, the, no, you say it, Jordan. The devil has to know the water level. Oh, you mean right, right, from the right. heart. oh, I never even knew that was the lyric. Oh, he has yeah. to. He has to know the water level. Wow. He, he it's a requirement to be the devil. My brain just always goes, even in the that's the devil, let the devil. Like I don't ever know what he's saying. <laughs> that's great. I can subscribe. Wow, you really do eat crispy minis. It's not just for Instagram. Habit inhabit. Yeah. That's yeah. so interesting. That's right.
<laughs> I do kind of, I do resonate with that, to be honest. Uh, let's yeah, we're going to have to edit that out. Let's I... delete the last 20 seconds. <laughs>